0: Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to be here with our special guest of the week, Christina Scalera. Christina, welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. Great to be here. Happy to have you. So we're talking about a super important topic today, protecting your business, putting into place effective contracts, and making sure that we have the legalities of how we do business and who we do business with zipped up. Christina is the person that's going to help us walk through it all and make it easy to take action. So Christina, I'm very excited to have you here. Um, just to share a little bit about Christina with you guys, she is the attorney and the founder behind The Contract Shop, and this is a contract template store for creative entrepreneurs wedding professionals and coaches three years ago she found herself dreaming of pursuing a creative path and she started to look for alternatives to an in-house legal job she explored everything from yoga to becoming a freelance graphic designer to opening an etsy shop and in the process she ended up coming full circle by creating a business that brought the benefit of her legal training to help her fellow creatives when she's not at a computer or awkwardly standing on cafe chairs for the perfect overhead latte photo. You can find her in the woods doing things that are sometimes dangerous, but always fun, like riding horses, skiing and reluctantly camping. Well, Christina, I'm excited to dig into all of this and more. Welcome to the show thanks kelly for that intro absolutely so you know i have clients coming to me all the time christina saying do i need a contract for this what should i have in place for that how does this look and so i love that you landed on the idea of this template based business for entrepreneurs because we need it (laughs) how did you (laughs) how did you discover this need this gap and like decide to form your business around this
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you guys just heard my bio. So I left my in house legal gig and I was dealing with a lot of health problems. That's kind of like reading Mm -hmm. between the lines. That's what Mm -hmm. was happening. And so it was completely abnormal for at the age that I was at to deal with the the problems that I was having. And so I decided that I would take a dramatic departure Mm -hmm. um, from the life that I was living, which was, you know, working full time and previously studying for the bar and working and Mm -hmm. going to school full time. So it was just a lot. And, um, I'm, I'm not good at moderation, so I took a complete 180, became a yoga teacher, long story short, a couple months into this thing, um, I finally get the, the big break, right, like I get the client, the, actually two clients who are excited to work with me, I had networked, I had done all the things that they tell you to do, and I took two weeks to get them a contract back because I didn't have a contract. I was just like everybody else out there searching the internet because it turns out being an attorney is mostly Googling stuff. (laughs) And, um, you know, they don't just... You don't just graduate with a bank of contracts and legal documents in your your back pocket. You have to go work for a big firm. I had worked for an in-house job. um, So I had never had access to that kind of thing. So I was there starting from scratch, just like everybody out there with their own business. And I lost these two clients because it took me two weeks to get back to them because one, I was so overwhelmed with all the possibilities out there. What could I put in this? What would I need? I've never been a yoga teacher before. How do I include every That I'm going to need in this contract to work with them in such an intimate and, and like close way as a one on one private instructor. And honestly, Kelly, it was mostly a lot of fear. I was like, what if I send this to them and they don't? they don't want to work with me anymore. And it turns out I did send it to them. They didn't want to work with me anymore, but it was because I waited too long right. and I had moved on to somebody else. So it was shortly after that, um, I'll make it quick, but it was shortly after that, that a couple different legal opportunities landed in my lap. And one of them was a good, good friend of mine. She's a very famous equine photographer. And she was like, why don't you just sell this stuff? Cause she was looking at my, my contract. And, um, I said, okay, how? And she kind of pointed me in this direction. Um, so it was, it was kind of a combination of, um, a couple different experiences that being probably the most like obvious out of them, her directly pointing me to the fact that there are template shops out there and I could be a template shop as well. I could do it better.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay. So selling to the gap, such an important and key thing to running a successful business. Now, I think that Christina, a lot of times, people resist utilizing contracts in their business because they feel that it can come across as cold or you know, like you said, that there's a fear that you'll lose the client over it or that it's a barrier between you and your clients. How do you recommend that entrepreneurs use contracts more consistently and more you know frequently and more effectively in their businesses as a part of getting and retaining customers instead of putting up barriers between them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is something I'm really passionate about because I think as a whole if if you're in the US at least, maybe less so in other countries, the experience that we have with with any kind of legal anything. If you're not working in an HR or a legal department or law firm, it's not normal. And it usually is in the situation where something bad has happened. You've gotten a traffic ticket, you're getting divorced, you're you're fighting a child custody battle. So these are all things that we we have like these negative associations with with legal and with contracts. Um, And I really hope to shift that paradigm with the education that we're doing on our blog and just these opportunities that that you're so kind to, to afford us, Kelly, where I want people to start thinking about their contracts, not only as a normal part of their business, but actually as a tool that they can use to book better and less price sensitive clients. And the reason I say that is because I have seen, I don't have to believe it's not my opinion. I have seen it work where people are offering their contracts, their proposals to prospective clients. And using it as a means to show how professional they can be as a service mm-hmm. provider, mm-hmm. Um, how accessible they can be by not having a contract that is full of legalese, but rather something the client can appreciate, understand, access, um, read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then finally, um, educating the client as to how the contract is not just for your benefit, because if you have a one sided contract, that's. I, I don't appreciate those kinds of agreements. So, pointing out to the client how your agreement is fair for them and how it protects them in case something happens with you, because I mean, Kelly, we're women, as you know. Sometimes, um, you know, some of the people I work with are in the wedding industry, and things will happen, like babies, which are really fun and exciting. But if you have a wedding plan two years in advance, and well, now you're nine months pregnant on that due date or on that wedding date, that can sometimes be a problem for um, for the person you're. You're saying you're going to show up and and shoot their wedding as a photographer or a planet. Um, And so, you know, showing those kinds of things, pointing out how the agreement has things that are in there to protect the client um, in case that happens. What's going to happen in that situation? Well, I'm a professional and I've already considered the situation. So I'm actually going to have somebody from my team that's going to be there on your wedding date client is not great that we've already thought about this. We already have um, just kind of a plan B, plan C in place. And th- I mean, that's one of many provisions that I could have highlighted. Um, you know, I think the most popular one for clients to look at is your cancellation provision. They want to see how they're going to be able to get out of this thing um, in case it doesn't work out. And so pointing those things out to them proactively can help show that you're someone that's trustworthy and that they want to work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you typically recommend that people go over these details over the phone first and then send the document following that? Or is this done virtually via email? How does this typically work most effectively?
1: This is the best question ever. So (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So the client onboarding process is something that it's an art, right? You have to practice it. You can't just try it out for the first time and expect a client. I'm sure that's worked for some people, but if it's the first time ever talking to a client, most likely you're nervous. um, You know, you're, you're maybe not at your best self that you're ever going to be on these client sales calls. So my, my preference would be to obviously um, funnel the client into what, how, however you want to do that, whether that's virtually with videos, webinar, um, just, Beautiful website copy on your website, a great landing page. You don't even need a website, and then from there, getting the client interested in your services. Um, Obviously, you can also do this via in person. I'm I'm such a millennial, but like you can also get out there, friends, and go to networking events um, where these clients might be. So either way, the client is there, they're interested, they filled out your form, or they've uh, they've expressed some kind of interest, and now it's time to have. A client consultation, whatever that looks like. And that's really for the service provider to figure out not just if this client is um, going to be, you know, is it going to be a good fit? Is it going to be a crazy client? Is it going to be someone who's really demanding? Are they really laid back? Is this a good um, business opportunity for future growth? So it's that consultation is there, not just for the client to vet you, but it's also for you to vet the client. And then right after that is typically, um, so I actually have a second business, it's a law firm so I'm working with clients every day. This is where I'm getting this, this experience. I'm just kind of walking you through my, what my process is, but from the conferences and things like that, I've been to, this is pretty similar to how other people are doing. I'd be interested to know if this is how you do it. So we get the client, they're interested. They fill out the form. We pre-qualify them. Uh, we get on the phone or I've never, I don't do in-person consultations, but I, I think that that's even more effective because you can watch their body language. You can talk to them as a real human. Um, so after this consultation, after I've decided this is a good fit for, for myself, I send them a proposal and now it's their turn to choose whether I'm a good fit for them. Um, I was at a conference recently and it said, someone said that a sale is made on every consultation call like this. Either you sell the client or they sell you on their excuses. Um, so I can't take credit for that, but I unfortunately can't figure out who said that at the conference. <laughs>
0: That's Okay. <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, I think, I think at that point, you know, the sale is either made, you're either going to be working with that client or not. Um, and obviously there's, there's some circumstances that fall outside those lines, but generally speaking, that's when you, after that, that client consultation, that's when you send the contract, um, usually attached to an invoice. I like to do this electronically and I like to do it together so that the client has a chance to review the contract, sign the contract and pay the invoice because those first 40, I, I know you're a coach. I know you teach this those first 48 hours after a client consultation call are the most critical um, as far as is that client going to decide to work with you or not. So that's that's really how this can work. And then an added step in this process um, would be to have some kind of just kind of blog post or guide or something that would walk them through further how this contract um, and really your working agreement with them is going to operate in real life. So some kind of timeline or some kind of um, explanation of of key dates or terms or or what they should expect um, because this might be the first time they're ever working with a service provider like you. So that's what I think the process, I think that's a pretty solid process. I know there's different ways to do it. um, And I'd be interested to see how your process differs or if you have any feedback on that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of times we'll focus on making the sale on the spot in the consultation and we will get their payment information at that time. And then we'll follow it up by um, having one of the team members reach out to send the contract over and then... Schedule their first appointment. So, we've gotten the confirmation from them that, yes, I want to go forward and I want to do this engagement with you. They're agreeing to pay while it's in the moment. And then we follow up with, hey, let's go ahead and get the agreement signed. And at that point, we'll schedule your first session. So, we do it a little bit differently, but I think they're both effective. And, you know, I I think that's, I think you're giving great, great guidance there for sure. Now, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people listening, Christina. That are saying to themselves you know what I have enough trouble closing the sale as it is and we're trying to make more sales not less of them the last thing I want to do is insert a contract into my process especially when um, you know I haven't had any issues up until now what do you say to those people because I think before you've experienced a client nightmare maybe you don't believe <laughs> or that you need this right
1: yeah for sure I mean I I'm out there trying to help those people every single day and I mean I can only help people that want help and that can can understand that but what I can say is that I think most people in that situation have not worked with enough clients or put themselves in front of enough prospective clients to get the one experience that it takes to be a professional about a contract and not Mm -hmm. you know Kind of scared and a novice and, and unconfident and wishy washy. That's where we all start, by the way. That's a completely fine place sure. to be in, but it takes practice to get comfortable sending. Um, I mean, just like pr- you send out um, a, an agreement for your or you send out an invoice, and that's that's also something that's really really hard at that stage of business to send out because you maybe feel guilty about charging the money or you feel like bad because it's a friend or something like that. So. Um, I think it's just a lack of experience. And I think it's just a, a kind of a, a naive, ma- naivete of what could possibly go wrong in that situation. Um, because, you know, ultimately, it, it's not a service to your client either, because your client is also protected by that agreement. So if if the client's not protected, and there's problems later on down the road, um, you know, they're going to look at you and say, why didn't you take care of me better? So I think it's just a, a disservice to the client um, that That you don't have a contract that's either well drafted or, um, you know, it's too one sided to your point because you did have an attorney drafted and the attorney's best interest is to serve you. So, yeah, I think it's important to um, either either go through your contract if it is drafted by an attorney and make sure that it is fair um, and and unbiased. If they were a good attorney, it will be. and then second, you know, if, if you're unaware of what you need to have in a contract, we have a checklist. I don't know if you want to just link to that in the show notes or you want me to give out a URL for that. But we have a checklist that they can go through and um, hopefully feel more confident knowing that they either have what they need to have in their agreement or, you know, kind of highlight the areas where – oops we forgot this or you know we we just haven't worked with enough clients who have encountered this situation yet but that's probably a good idea to add to our contract so um, so yeah i mean I, I think it's just a lack of experience and practice and and with that you will get better and better at sending sending the contract and highlighting the elephant in the room, showing your client how it's beneficial to them and actually bringing it up proactively and not just kind of like hoping they don't read it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay, great. Well, let's give people the link to the checklist because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that want to get started with that right away. And then we'll also, of course, give them the link back to the contract shop as well, because I'm sure there's people that uh, would like to take advantage of some of the templates that you have available. So where do people go to get the checklist?
1: Yeah. So I would, um, I would go to your show notes first and visit your page, mm-hmm. but if you are driving, um, definitely go there. <laughs> and if, if you're listening and you just want to pick this up real fast, it's at rocksolidcontract.com. Perfect. So that's the
0: checklist. Yeah. And we will link that in the show notes of course, as well. And then just while we're, while we're here, where do people go if they actually want to check out the templates that you have available?
1: The best place to go is the shop.com and we put a big old search bar at the top, just like Amazon. So you can start typing in what you think you need. And, um, if you don't know, there's a big old chat box in the bottom left hand corner. So click it, open it up, talk to us. We love little visitors and, and just chatting and, um, Hanging out, getting to know people that are in our audience. So
0: that's awesome. Okay, perfect. So one of the questions I get a lot from people is about the contract that they need and what should be included in a contract for subcontractors, virtual Mm -hmm. assistants, um, individuals that have access to confidential company information and resources, that type of thing. What are some of the key things that people really need to be aware of when it comes to contracts with contractors? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's essentially any client service relationship. Um, I mean, you, you, yeah. whether you're, you're B2B or B2C, if if you are the service provider, then you know, you're know you a contractor and you're possibly hiring these contractors. So definitely grab that checklist at Rock Solid uh, Contract, and that's going to walk you through some of these sections. But what you mentioned here is really, um, I think this is a crucial thing that most business owners who haven't worked in the corporate world aren't aware of yet, which is there is such a thing as a non-disclosure agreement. And these are really, really helpful for getting into place prior to working. Working with these subcontractors. So, for example, Kelly—I mean, I'm just making this up. She didn't tell me anything, audience. So, let's just pretend that Kelly is in search of a Facebook ads manager or a VA. I mean, it doesn't matter what the the contract the subcontractor is for you, but um, let's just go with with VA for now. So you want to hire a VA and this VA is going to have access to your email, presumably, um, your Facebook accounts, your sensitive data, maybe some passwords, bank account, like whatever it is that she's going to have access to. It's sensitive information that you don't want out there, whether it's business processes or um, contents of email or just like privacy information of your clients. So if this were the situation, um, and again, I'm not giving you guys legal advice. I'm just kind of going through the situation for the benefit of, of You know, by means of example. Um, But if this were the situation, what Kelly could possibly do here is get a non disclosure agreement in place even before talking to the VA about whether it's a good fit to work together because she might have a need to discuss some of this private or confidential or, you know, business process information that she doesn't want out there. And just because Um, you're getting to know somebody it's it's not really an excuse to put that out there if it doesn't work out so that non-disclosure agreement the NDA as it's sometimes called is a really helpful tool and then once the the subcontractor gets hired in the employment or not employment excuse me um, I want to distinguish between the two so in the the subcontractor agreement the virtual assistant agreement um, you know if you picked up our VA template or something that's where Kelly would um The the NDA would kind of morph into that confidentiality clause, which is a lot more beefed up, a lot more strict, um, a lot more specific usually, and so that NDA would protect her up until the point where she decides to hire the VA. The VA signs on the dotted line of the contract, uh, hopefully electronically, and then they're able to work together, um, you know, with whatever confidentiality, um, provision or clause, whatever you want to call it, is in that, that contract for the VA. Um, and then I just really quick, Kelly, I want to distinguish between the independent contractor and the employee. So it is not up to us as business owners to decide whether someone is an independent contractor or an employee. I think there's something like 23 or 24 government entities that get to make that decision. But notably the IRS is the one that most people care about. Um, So, Basically, there's there's a lot of factors that decide whether someone's a contractor versus an employee. But one of the safest things to do is to give that that independent contractor control. That's one of the um, essential values of being a contractor instead of an employee. An employee, you get to control everything. At a contractor, it should really all be in their control. So a good rule of thumb is like if you are um, handing them a project and saying, I don't know how this is going to get done. I don't know what software you're going to use. I don't know, um, you know, when you're going to work on this. I don't care as long as this gets done by this date. um, You know, this website, this calligraphy set, this uh, coaching client, like whatever it is at the end, whatever the services that contractor is providing those services along the way. And it just kind of appears as a result at the, the end.
0: Got it. That's that's a big one. That's a big one. Okay. So you gave us some, some good key things to think about with the non-disclosure, with the contract with, uh, contractors. You gave us a checklist to work off of, um, gave us some tips and pointers on facilitating the process when you're trying to get a contract in place. What are some things that, um, You know, our listeners can do if they put a contract in front of a client uh, or a potential one, and the person is really, you know, dragging their feet, they can't get the process moving. What are some things that they can do to kind of nudge that along without, you know, uh, disrupting the flow of the relationship building process?
1: You actually, I feel like would be a better. Person to answer this because I think this is an illegal question. I think this is all about working with clients. And again, this is where that experience and that practice really pays off if you keep putting yourself in front of clients because you'll be able to handle this kind of client uh, really easily and well. And I think it's a matter of reminding them, like, why is this painful thing in your life? Don't you want to get rid of it? Um, Whether that's, you know, a a backlog of emails that you need a VA for or, um, you know, some kind of like stagnant, block in your life that you need to coach for. Like if you're the service provider, I think in that situation, it's your job to remind them why they came to you in the first place and that you are capable of providing the solution that they need for this problem in their life.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's making it simple and easy for them too. I think that um, facilitating it in a way that they can, you know, easily, quickly skim through and get back to you easily. And I think also, you know, making it a comfortable thing where it's like, Hey, you know, this is your protection and, and us working together to make sure you receive what we agreed upon and that, you know, we both understand the terms of our, our relationship. And I think bringing it back to the relationship is really important as well. So that instead of saying contract and making it about you, you're talking about relationship and, and the agreement that you have to ensure that, you know, you deliver on your promise to them and that they um, fulfill their responsibilities as a client to you.
1: Yeah. And maybe I misunderstood you a little bit, but, um, but yeah. And, and practically one of the great ways that you can reinforce this is, is like you said, making it simple, um, and moving things online, just letting them sign with their phone and their finger. I mean, these are all valid ways to, um, send and sign a document, the court system in the U S and probably abroad, but I can't speak to that. Um, most countries follow the U.S., but the U.S. is moving to an electronic filing um, system in almost every facet of, of legal. Yes. So it's awesome because you can trace their IP address, which is traced to their, you know, not only Wi-Fi network, but their computer that's password protected, et cetera, et cetera. So An IP address um, that is connected to their signature, an electronic signature, is uh, in most situations completely valid, perfectly fine, and way more convenient to the client and speaks volumes that you care about their time and you care about how they are going to experience your services.
0: Love that. Perfect. Great, 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 great. So before we wrap up here, Christina, just in terms of – what you see every day, obviously, because you're on the other side of it as well, helping people when unfortunately things have not gone right. um, And now they actually, you know, need a lawyer. Um, What are some of the top, maybe the top three protections that you would advise all entrepreneurs to be either checking on if they haven't taken a look at for their business in a while, or getting in place if they don't already have them?
1: Yeah, so your contract is, the most critical legal thing to have, um, zipped up and in place if you are starting a business, because really a business only needs one thing and that's cash flow. (laughs) If you don't have any money coming into your bank account, you do not have a business, you have a hobby or some kind of activity that you're doing in your spare time. But if you're not making money, then it it just, it's not a long-term sustainable business. And so that contract ensures that that money is not only coming in, but will continue to come in. Um, with the new clients that you are getting. So I think that's first and foremost what I would do if I were starting a business, I would get a contract and that's not just me um, saying that cause I'm the contract lady at the contract shop or whatever, but it, it truly is in now that I have like the maturity of not being a baby lawyer and looking back, I'm like, I can't ever believe that one of the first steps I gave people was to form an LLC because I would take a, a contract and the amount of effort and money it would take to get a contract before an LLC any day down. Mm-hmm. So, That's the first step. The second step is really awesome. It's free. (laughs) It's at the IRS's website, um, or if you're outside of the US, you'll have to find what the comparable authority issuing authority is. But the IRS offers things called employee identification numbers. And these are sometimes called EINs. These are amazing because they replace your social security number on any kind of tax documents that you're going to fill out, especially as a contractor, if you're working as a contractor, um, which most of us are for providing services. So I think that's the second thing that I would do. The only catch with the EIN is that the IRS actually has business hours on their website. So I don't know, but you have to go there during their business hours, which is just insane to me, but, um, you do that, you get your EIN. It's really simple. Um, it's very straightforward, and then that's the that's what you can use to now open your the third step, which is open your bank accounts, um, open your PayPal, Venmo, etc. for your business that are completely separate and apart from your personal checking accounts or your or your personal debit or credit cards, um, having separate accounts is is really essential to running a business and running it well, not just from a legal standpoint, but also from a practical standpoint. You will tear your hair out if you don't start with separate bank accounts um, at some point. You'll get through it, but it'll be a painful process.
0: Absolutely. No, beautiful advice. I I couldn't agree more. So um, you have delivered so, so much here today, Christina. So I want to thank you so much for all that you shared. I hope that every single person listening will really um take a minute review what you're doing in terms of contracts with the clients that you're delivering for look at how you can tighten it up clean it up a little bit and check out some of the resources that christina has offered either visit the contract shop or at least get started with the free template right away so christina thank you so much Thanks for having me, Kelly. You got it. All right, to all my listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio, thank you guys so, so much for being here with Christina and myself today. If you can think of just one entrepreneur out there that needs to hear this episode, share it out there. Sharing is caring. Make a difference in the world by helping someone take a step forward in their business today. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. And until next time, I want to remind you to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Wait, before you put down your phone, one more thing. When you're ready to build an unstoppable business around a life you absolutely love, text in the word IGNITE to 44222. All you have to do is minimize the screen and text in the word IGNITE to 44222 to schedule a free consultation with me to learn how you can switch your business into high gear, rapid growth, and high profitability fast. Text in IGNITE to 44222.